Hello everyone. This is the very first official episode of my podcast. I'm calling it official because I actually have got a couple of episodes which were published in my Telegram channel. Anyway, today it is the first one and I'm having a very special guest from England, my dearest friend Lee Shuttler. Lee Shuttler has been teaching for over 30 years in Italy, Korea, Japan and the UK. He has co-authored two books and has written numerous articles. In 2012, he taught for two weeks in Tumain, an experience that he is proud of. He has spoken at conferences in Switzerland, Italy, Spain, Turkey, Hungary, Slovenia and Kazakhstan. His interests revolve around humanism in the classroom and is currently investigating how to use NLP techniques. Not to mention that he is the principal of my favorite college where I studied, which is located in my favorite town Broadstairs. Today, we are going to be talking about the culture of English seaside, the topic which I personally find rather exciting. Lee knows firsthand, as he lives in Margate, which happened to be a lovely, quaint seaside town. So, let's get started. Hello, Lee. It's, it's my pleasure. It's always my pleasure to talk with you, Oksana. Um, I'm looking at the, the map we have in front of us, and... Um, Although Broadstairs isn't marked on the map, you'll see Canterbury on the map. Um, and where Broadstairs is, is if you go directly east from Canterbury, um, you'll come to a place called Ramsgate. If you could put the cursor on on where where we're talking. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Canterbury. Directly east from Canterbury is Ramsgate, and then Broadstairs is ever so slightly north of there. Um, but the it's a very small island, actually, where, where I'm living. It's called the Isle of Thanet, and it is that little triangle just to the um, northeast of Canterbury. Um, and it is, in theory, it is an island. Um, so um, we're, we have water on, on all four sides of us so uh first of all you know as we're looking at the map yeah uh, i just want to explain a bit yeah so um uh english seaside culture uh, is there such a notion or i just invented it because you know i've heard it somewhere and uh, um i thought whoa so it 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 might be a wonderful topic to talk about so is there such a notion I, I think there is, um, because I think our English and, and Welsh seaside culture is very different, say, to people who might have stayed um, for a holiday in Spain or Italy or, or Greece. Um, we don't have the pure heat of, of those places, and the, the sea around the United Kingdom and England is very much a working um, fluid sea, whereas, say, the Mediterranean is a much more calm um, environment. So I think our culture is very different to perhaps staying in somewhere like Mallorca. The seaside life is much more family-oriented and much more, more perhaps active experience than simply lying on a beach for um, a number of hours because 
it isn't usually warm enough just to lie on a beach for um, a whole day. So you do find in Britain a lot more sports, um, um, hiking around the cliff tops, um, fishing, um, boating, things like that, because obviously being an island, there's a lot more wind than perhaps there is in the Mediterranean. Um, and so it's a much more active experience. So what what are the typical things that happen? So fishing, yeah, you mentioned. What else happening? Um, children, the first thing you'll see if you go to any English beach is that you'll see children building sandcastles. Um, and some of them could just be uh, a bucket full of sand that's turned upside down. Some are really quite elaborate works of art. Um, but you do see a lot of sandcastles. Um, you'll also see donkey rides, um, although they're becoming less popular because in order to maintain the, the welfare and the health of the donkey, there's it's an expense. Um, but certainly in the traditional seaside resorts, there's usually donkey rides for the children. Um, there's a, a, a lot of the um, seaside resorts will also have fairgrounds or lunar parks close to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. In, Cant in Margate, which is where I live, we have a thing called Dreamland, um, which is a, um, a traditional um, fairground. Whereas if you go to the north of England, um, you'll see on the map there's a, a town called Blackpool, they have an absolutely massive fairground by the sea, um, and some of their rides could be up to 100, 150 metres high. You know, I've also, sorry uh, for interrupting, so I've also heard that uh, there is a huge lunar park in Southern on the sea. Um, South End, yes, which is, if you look at the, where it says River Thames, where the, the S uh -huh. of Thames, that would be where that's more or less where South End is, um, and that's probably the nearest big lunar park fairground to um, in well in the South East. Certainly, if you're in London, that would be a big one. Next to it, there's a place called Clapton on Sea, uh, which is also very famous for um, lots of rides and and um, yeah, that type of physical amusement that you get at a fairground. The other thing you'll often see in an English seaside resort or um, UK seaside resort would be the pier. Um, a, and a pier is a structure that might go out into the sea of by about 100, 150 metres. And usually at the end of it, there's um, sometimes a theatre, sometimes again a fairground. Um, Brighton's got a big one. Near where I live, there's a place called Deal, um, which is um, just to the north of Dover, down on the, the southeast. And there's a, a concrete pier, a fairly modern pier, that goes out into the sea about 200 metres. Um, and it's just a fantastic experience to be at the end of the pier. You're looking back onto the mainland and you get a view of... The, the beach, a view of the, um, the the town that you don't normally get to see. Um, and they're great places to to walk, to to eat and drink, entertainment. Um, and it's a 
very, very traditional thing. There used to be one in Margate, um, and I think it it um, was destroyed in 1997, I think, um, and that was from high winds and, and storms. But most of them now, um, they've been rebuilt, refurbished, and they're just great places. So a chance to go down the pier is a, a fantastic holiday experience. And what kind of beaches can you find there? So, I mean, like um, pebble beaches mostly or? Pebble beaches, but also our beaches tend to be smaller than, again, the Mediterranean. Mediterranean, you might see a very long, flat, straight beach that might extend for many kilometers. Um, we have what is more likely to be a bay rather than a beach. So, and a bay is a sort of a, a U-shaped beach, um, and there'll be cliffs at either end, and then you go round the cliffs, and there'll be another bay. So they're much more secluded, much more private, uh, especially in the area where, where I live. In the south coast, in Brighton, you've got fairly long, straight beaches, but they're pebble beaches. If you go further west, um, you'll see the word Southampton. Okay, west, west. So, you know, I'm really bad at uh, you know, locating things. So. You're staying along the bottom. We've gone to Brighton. Brighton, 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 yeah. somewhere near London. Yes, That's go down, 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 Brighton. Uh, Brighton, okay. Right, right. Keep going west, you'll see the Isle of Wight. Yes. And then a little bit further west, about... Bit further north, you just take your cursor there. Uh, what you'll come to there is a, pla a fantastic place, and this is where my 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 father was born. A place called Lulworth Cove. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it is. I'm going to write it into chat. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, I think, the most beautiful place in the UK. Um, so if you want to Google Lulworth Cove when you get the opportunity, it is fantastically beautiful. It's a good example of a bay that is almost O-shaped. There's a very small entrance and the um, the bay is very secluded so the, the you don't get really strong seas in there. And it is fantastically beautiful. Um, the area... To one side of the, the of Lulworth Cove used to be my grandfather's farm, so um, I, I'm biased in my, in my opinion of it. Uh, another thing, place to Google in the same area, got this wonderful name. It's called Durdledore, and Durdledore is a a beach that's got a um, a wall, a wall of um, chalk cliff that the sea has eroded to create this archway. And it is very romantic and very beautiful. Um, so those are two places I really recommend down on the, the south coast. Yeah, I will take some photos, you know, I mean, to, to someone who will be listening. And uh, for sure, yeah, I'll write down these places because I haven't heard of them too. You've learned something today then. <laughs> I have got a question which has been bothering me for a long time, you know. And this question is, 
Have you got the sea or the ocean in broad stairs? You know, because some um, people say that it is like the sea. Yeah, in broad stairs, it, it'll be the sea. Um, it's we we call it the English Channel. Um, obviously, the the French don't particularly like that phrase. <laughs> they just call it the sea. Um, the ocean is the other side of Cornwall. So if you go to the very left of the picture, um, and from that tip of Cornwall where it says Cape Cornwall, mm -hmm. next piece of land from there, um, if you take a particular direction, the next piece of land would probably be um, the United States. So that that area would be part of the the Atlantic Ocean. You know, but it uh, has got uh, tides. You know that means that it's not. I mean, like the sea, sea, like like uh, it, it should be. Yeah, well, because tides, because our our sea on our side, the English Channel, and then as you go above Dover, we would call it the North Sea. It's it's an open sea, and it's an open sea all the way to places like Murmansk um, and to. Um, north of Germany and places like that. So there are tides. I mean, the tide range here um, probably is about 100 meters. Um, and so when the tide is out, then yes, you can you can walk a lot further around our cliffs. Um, but when the tide is in, especially around about this time of year, uh, um, 24th of March, then not only is the tide come in a long way, but it's also a high tide um, and the beaches become a lot smaller um, during high tide. Um, the tides are every six hours in this area. So and um, the, the time of the tide moves. So for example, today it's low tide where I live in Margate at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, this time next week, it'll be high tide at four o'clock in the afternoon. So the tides do move, um, um, certainly in this area. In the west of England, it'll be much more extreme because obviously the sea is, um, well, it's an ocean, so there's more water and it therefore moves more dramatically. Um, but yes, when I was a child, we often had holidays in West Wales um, and southwest Wales, um, and very often, yes, the tides could go out for about two hundred meters quite easily. Okay, and um, as you mentioned, your childhood. So, um, are there a lot of tourists? I mean, uh, maybe just people coming from from uh, different parts of the country. Yeah. So, are there a lot of them, or now the number is? lower than it was before because i've heard somewhere you know that now the situation has changed so at some point at some point in history it was like super popular you know to go to uh to to have a vacation in uh somewhere you know near the sea but now it's more like turkey spain or whatever so you've been to margate beach yeah. so 
Take Margate Beach as an example. If you look at photos, say, from the 1950s or early 1960s, the beaches there were probably standing room only. They would be very, very crowded. Um, and then, yes, you could get on a, um, a Boeing 747 or something like that and be in um, Malaga or Benidorm or Torremolinos in Spain, where... Yes, the weather is better, um, the sea is warmer, and it's more predictable. Um, and so the traditional seaside town started to decline. Um, since the pandemic, that process is starting to reverse. As people had to stay in the UK, they couldn't travel as easily. And so they started to rediscover the traditional seaside towns like Margate, Brighton, Eastbourne, Bournemouth, places like that. And the summer of 2020 was actually a really good summer. Um, and because people couldn't travel to the continent, they all came to the beaches. And it was like going back in time because the beaches were so crowded with people and the local economies really enjoyed it because people were coming, spending money in restaurants and shops and things. Um, and it was, people have started to return to that idea of a long weekend by the sea. What do you think is more expensive to go to, um, let's say, Spain, yeah, for a holiday, or to go to, I don't know, Brighton for a holiday? That's an interesting question, I think. But for, let's say people from London, um, if they wanted to stay in a hotel, a good hotel in Brighton, it would probably be more expensive than getting a flight to Malaga or uh, Ibiza and staying in a similar size hotel there. Um, so there are places like Brighton, especially is catered for the west of London, and the west of London is where the money is, and so they would go to Brighton. Generally, with English cities, English towns, the west side was rich and the poor side was on the east um, because the, the wind, the, the, the natural wind for the UK is to go from the southwest to the northeast. So generally, take where, where I am now in Margate. Margate would be a place that would look after people from the east of London. So as a result, it's much more working class. It's much more basic. Whereas Bournemouth and Brighton would cater for people from the west of London. Therefore, the hotels are more expensive. The architecture is more glamorous. Um, and there's, there is even now, more money in those places than there is in, in Margate, Broadstairs, Dover, places like that. You know, I think that we have got the same situation in Russia, you know, so it's much cheaper to travel to Turkey, for instance, or to Egypt, rather mm -hmm. than just staying I mean, and going to our local can you just, in a few words, you know, briefly, tell like the history of uh, the English seaside? I mean, uh, because as, as I've heard, yeah, 
So it was popular at some point, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and it was thriving. And then now, especially the situation became worse. Yeah. And uh, mm. now a lot of towns, seaside towns, are quite poor. Is it yeah. true? It is indeed. It's, it's an interesting history. I mean, if you go back to the 19th century, which is where this particular area sort of grew up, we have a, an old building in, in Margate called the Sea Bathing Hospital. And that started in the 19th century as a place where the children from London, who perhaps might have been um, breathing in polluted air from the, the factories of London, would come down and stay in a hospital right on the seafront in Margate. Um, to breathe the cleaner air, the salt, and all of that, and it was seen as a as a, a health treatment to come to the beach. Um, so a lot of the resorts grew up in this area around that treatment. Um, the other interesting thing about this area is that there is the claim. I'm not sure if it's true or not. There is the claim that the swimming costume was invented in in Margate and Broadsteads. Um, certainly before the the mid-19th century, people would go into the sea wearing their normal clothes or their underwear. Um, and it is claimed that in this area, some people invented the idea of just having a special costume to wear um, in the sea. And you would hire a horse and a carriage that would walk into the sea and you'd, you'd get into the carriage at, on the, the beach end in your normal clothes, get changed, and come out the other end of the carriage in your swimming costume. Um, and that was, again, the idea of creating a swimming costume, but also a private place to change your clothes. Um, well, So that that's apparently started um, in, in Margate, Broadstairs, Ramsgate area. Um, then, as you say, it became very popular. It also became, in a very negative way, it became popular in the 1950s as a place where the the mods and the rockers, which are two sort of musical rivalries of the 1950s, would come for fights in, in Margate, in Southend, which you mentioned earlier, Brighton. Uh, and there's a very famous film in the 1980s called Quadrophenia that was all about this sort of rivalry between the mods and the the, the rockers. Um, and that was quite big in the 1960s. Then, as I said before, then the flights to Spain and um, Greece became um, accessible and things started to drift down a bit. In this area, the local authorities have used art as a way to rebuild. So in Margate, they have the Turner Centre, which is a gallery um, that's named after a local artist from the 19th century. And that's been the centre point of the regeneration of the area. And there was one magazine, an American magazine called Time, that said that there's a, uh, a neighbourhood in Margate that is in the eight most cool neighborhood in the world um, and it's become it's getting a reputation for art crafts um, imagine imagination and things like that so it's it's 
we're using art as the rebuild. Okay. Yes, that's that's very interesting. So I think that we we need to finish, you know, because we yes. Uh, thank you, Lee, for your time. I hope. Always a pleasure. Everything um, is normal. I mean, in terms of the sound and everything. So. Thank you very much. Uh, and hopefully it's not our last episode because I was hoping, you know, to talk to you about IELTS or something like that, you know. And anyway, for, you, for me, you are like um, the person who knows everything about uh, the culture and teaching. So we can make do millions of, uh, of episodes, but um, it's up to you, of course. You're, you always know where I am. <laughs>